Welcome to That's Hot Dad Podcast. I'm your hot dad host, <laughs> Brandon Perna, uh, here with Will Keys, who's trying to play me some dad rock before this episode started, and then Alexa just went on a rant and would not shut the fuck up. Um, but this right. is this is now the That's Good Broncos podcast. We are back. Okay, so some changes. Some changes I need to explain before yeah. Will and I get into talking about the Broncos. Some AFC West news today. A couple little NFL nuggets. Uh, I'm going to have two podcasts now on wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Good Sports, which is basically the audio version of my That's Good Sports uh, YouTube show. And then That's Good Broncos is going to be its own podcast. Uh, bi-weekly podcast i think we're gonna shoot for two like 20 minute episodes and then the broncos prediction episodes will be there and they will be on the that's good broncos youtube channel here as well you might have noticed it got rebranded back to that's good broncos so whenever i don't have enough room for extra broncos shit on my main channel it's gonna come here prediction episodes will be here uh i'll try to be a little more clear about that later but uh that's why there are some changes visually here uh, and i think like the last thing just wasn't really working out and uh, i miss having like a place for broncos shit and you and i talk enough about the nfl throughout the week on the main youtube channel i feel like when we sit down to chat for 20 or 30 or 40 minutes about football we really just want to talk about the broncos so that's what we're going to do moving forward uh, and then inject any relevant NFL shit. Like, we'll probably talk a little bit about Leonard Fournette today, the Chiefs extending Andy Reid, uh, the Broncos trade Isaac Yadam. That was kind of a surprise. Big one. Von Miller has some high words of praise for Drew Locke. And so that's kind of the rundown. That's what we're doing. Sorry for talking over you, Will. Anything to add? <laughs> no. Um... Just wanted to say, uh, I'm, you know, I'm getting used to having to share a dad now. Yeah. I, uh, I'm no longer just Will's father. I am a real father. Uh, almost uh, a week into being a dad, uh, Friday morning, like, well, early, like 1.45 a.m. be a full week. It's been crazy. Uh, I wasn't going to do any work this week, and I found that, like, the, it's just, it's been hard. Like it, there's just so many things I wanted to talk about this week, and none of it's huge. But it just feels like since football's so close right now, people are starting to get excited about things like Leonard Fournette getting cut. Uh, I was like, oh man, I wish I could just make a video about that. Even like Muhammad Sanu being released by the Patriots. I'm like, that's a decent wide receiver. Some team can get. Uh, I told Will to not worry about doing any work this week, and then I've made him work twice. So uh, I think what I learned is, like, I really do enjoy doing this. Now I'm just trying to wrap my head around how I'm going to schedule that out with a, a baby. But I think we figured it out. Basically, if my wife takes care of the baby all night and all day, then it, it works really nice. <laughs> Yeah, I was thinking about it, and I think ironically, you may become more productive as a father. I think I'm going to be like, there's just like no breaks at all. Every free second I have now, it's like I'm just doing something to try and help out, whether I'm like washing bottles, feeding, changing diapers, uh, doing laundry. Uh, 
it's like usually when I'd sit down and look at Twitter, maybe bang out a paragraph for the show or just watch some bullshit on TV. Like that's gone. I can kiss those days. Goodbye. Yeah. I, I mean, to have a child this close to NFL season, first of all, uh, a lot to take on at once. Um, second of all, was that a planned move on your end? No. Well, I mean, we were planning on having the kid, but <laughs> the timing, the timing though, it was like, it just happened like right when we really started trying. So oh, I think we thought it might take, you know, a little bit of time, but uh, my boys can swim. <laughs> They're like a bunch of tiny Michael Phelps and Ryan Lochte's, but girls. I don't know any girl swimmers. Shit. Um, They're a bunch of Katie Ledecky's. There we go. That's there a good name anyway. Natalie Coughlin's. Yeah, I think that's um, just a perfect image and, and the one that I want to stick with. Um, but, yeah, no, congratulations to you. Big week. Big week. Um, I'm glad yeah. she came a week early, too, because yes, to come today, scheduled, uh, but she came early, which has given me a week to get my shit, my bearings, to figure out how to do a football season. Um, should note that we're going to be live every Sunday after the daytime game. So probably like six or seven on Sundays during mm -hmm. Sunday night football, but we're going to recap kind of all the shit that's happened in the Broncos game. So that'll be on the main channel, but uh, just know that's coming. Um, but first, okay. I thought we we're going to talk about Isaac Yadam first, but then I saw Bleacher Report post this article about Von Miller uh, saying that uh, he thinks Drew Locke is a fucking rock star. So, um, you know, Von Miller's a good hype man. He's always been positive with the quarterbacks. But with a week of – with football being about a week and a couple days away, I think he's he's actually very, very accurate this time. Yeah, he never, he never called um, Case Keenum a fucking rock star. Nope. Or Joe Flacco. Nope. I don't know what you would call it. Like, if you're going to compare Joe Flacco to a musician. Oh, he'd be like a karaoke singer. Joe Flacco as a musician. That's good. Oh, he's he's like Adam Levine. <laughs> Physically, uh, maybe. Yeah, we'll go with that one. Um, in that, like, uh, he was good, like, one time. 10 years ago and uh yep. was just kind of hanging on at this point and made way more money than he deserves do you know I like any diehard maroon five fans out there no <laughs> no i've um, never once heard somebody say yeah. my favorite oh, band maroon five motherfucker i also don't like know a ton of 13 year old girls so that's good i think that's that's a that was a trick <laughs> question that's how we uh we catch predators here at that's good Sports. yeah how much uh how much Adam Levine do you know? <laughs> I can recite his entire catalog. All right, take a seat. Take a seat right over here. <laughs> Our special guest this week is Chris Hansen. Uh, it's crazy how much I get Scott and Chris Hansen mixed up. Oh, I know. There was a, a moment where I was like, wait, was Scott Hansen, did he used to be the Catch a Predator guy? I was like, oh, no, they're different yeah. people. <laughs> they're different. Uh, but back to Von Miller, he, 
He called the seven years of mandatory lockup in a state correctional facility starting now. <laughs> um, damn it. Von Miller. He, I think Trevor Simeon, didn't he call him Peter Parker? Oh yeah. Something like that. And everybody's like, dang, you should, should have called him Spider-Man. If you like, yeah, it's really, like you know? Peter Parker's kind of a nerd. Yeah. Right. I think that was the only other compliment. Um, if it's even a compliment at that point, but I mean, if you don't know that uh, Drew Locke is cool as hell at this point, um, I mean, you're not paying attention. Yeah, I know I Good think... Morning Football had him listed in their um, top like eight, ten personalities in the NFL right now. So they have some kind of bizarre ones, but Who did obviously, this? I think they nailed Drew Locke. Good Morning Football. Oh, okay. And he People was in, he was in the top eight. Uh, yeah, I think he might have been like seven or something. All right. That's the thing. Like, I think Drew Locke, even if the Broncos lose, we're going to be able to pallet a loss. Uh, pallet? Is that right? We're going to be able to take a loss a little bit better because I think we'll walk away it. from games knowing, like, Drew Locke's going to put it all put it all out there. Like, he's bringing, like, energy. And, like, I don't know, it felt like times with Joe Flacco, you're just like, you're not – are you even trying that hard to win? It's like if Drew Locke loses, it's not going to be because he's not trying, I think. is Yes. Yeah, I think that's kind of what we got out of Joe Flacco. It was a, um, an extreme case of the check's been cashed and he's phoning it in. Yeah, except for, for – I'll say Flacco was pretty clutch towards the end of games. like A couple of games there. A couple of games. He was – he got him. He gave him a chance, and they had those bad breaks last year. But yeah, I'll also like as a caveat, he had to be clutch in those games because he was um, just like he looked like a weekend at Bernie's for the first three quarters. <laughs> the offense was just dragging his lifeless corpse, yeah, up and down the field. Um, um, but yeah, Drew Locke is. Uh, I mean, this is as excited as we've been able to get about a young guy I mean, yeah. take Manning out of the equation because I mean, the thing with Manning is we all loved him obviously. And he, he grew to be like our, our guy. And I think he kind of feels the same way at this point, but the, it's a lot different than kind of a homegrown talent. You feel a, a different sort of connection, having, having known them ahead of time, having watched, um, you know, hearing reports about, you know, Elway's going to a Missouri game to go look at this quarterback. I'm going to go watch the game, too, and see what he sees. Um, and then seeing them trade back into the second round to go pick him up and, and watch him develop and, and go, to, uh, go on IR. And finally, when he plays, you see something promising. Like, that's a different type of excitement than, than just, like, your team kind of out of the blue being able to sign a Hall of Fame quarterback. And uh, it's something we haven't really had since Jay Cutler. And – I know Jay Cutler, in his first full season, it's a pretty – I think he played four games at the end of his rookie season. Locke played five. Uh, I'd say Locke – Locke was more successful from a, a team standpoint. I think Cutler went something like two and three. Maybe they did play five games. But kind yeah, of underperformed the second year. Because they lost that last game. And, right. you know, he was taking over Plum for Plummer, who was – really popular amongst Broncos fans. So it was kind of like a – it was a different situation. Yeah, he was popular. He couldn't have been more different than Joe Flacco in that 
like Plummer just had like everything it he put he poured everything into winning. Um and we're not just like saying that out of yeah. um respect for him as as our I think like guest. I think Drew Locke probably embodies the the spirit of of Jake Plummer on the field but has like the physical talent of Jake Cutler. So there we go. The perfect uh right. analogy. He really is yeah, he he really is just if Cutler cared about yeah. anything, which and I think I'm sure might have at one point. I'm sure like, you know, once Drew Locke eventually retires He'll come on our podcast just like uh, Jake Plummer as well. Absolutely. I'm sure he's already yeah. thinking about that. He's just trying to follow in, um, follow in Jake's footsteps. Yeah. And I think we'll be able to set it up when we're doing the podcast. Um, that'll be 20 years down the road, maybe more. Yeah. It's, uh, it's kind of funny, too, because Elway took chances on those free agent quarterbacks – yeah, uh, those back-to-back years, Keenum and Flacco, and it was just like if he had waited one or if what this offseason came one year earlier with all of the options out there, that the Broncos could be home to Philip Rivers, Teddy Bridgewater, Tom Brady, uh, or um, Cam Newton, even you know what I mean. But mm-hmm. it's like Elway kind of got burnt twice. It was just like weird timing. I feel like I'm glad the Broncos got Drew Locke, and I'm just glad they didn't have to go through that again this offseason. And you're right. It's, it's nice to be excited about a guy who feels like he is 100% the Broncos quarterback and should be, you know. I don't know, I don't know how successful or how great he's going to be, but I feel like he was definitely the right draft pick. And we haven't been able to say that about any of the previous Broncos uh, drafted quarterbacks, you know, after Manning. So, right. I mean, just look at, you know, just kind of like to to freezing cold take myself. The guy I wanted in that draft was Dwayne Haskins, who I think went 10, either 10 or 15, one kind of round number like that um, to the Washingtons. And, I, you know, they just like, they had a, uh, a quarterback battle in camp essentially with Kyle Allen and the, the ghost of Alex Smith's leg. <laughs> and they just announced that he's the starter today. Um, and obviously, yeah. and too, just watching, I think they both got five games last year and watching the difference between um, those two guys, kind of different, separate um, situations aside, you know, you get Locke however many picks back it was like 20 picks um that's yeah. a that's a big deal you have to trade out. Lock right there it's going to be it'll be looked back at as a, a great draft um fant reisner lock yeah and like i wasn't super excited about fant but i was wrong there like i think he's going to be awesome uh so yeah that's going to be a good draft for la historically speaking Isaac Yadam, was he also taken in that draft? He was the draft before. Draft he before. was um, – yeah, he was after Chubb and whoever they took in the second round that year. Uh, okay. Probably Royce Freeman right after him, something okay. like that. Yeah, so Royce, Royce Freeman may be on the bubble as well. But, okay, so the Broncos send Yadam to the Giants for a, a seventh-round pick. 
Um, did this surprise you that the Broncos would deal a corner right now? No. Yes. Yes and no. Yeah, it's kind of weird, right? Like, there's right. Right. there's a competition for that third spot, which makes it feel like there's a lot of depth there, which there is as long as AJ uh, Boye and Bryce Callahan stay healthy. If one of those guys gets hurt, then it feels like the Broncos are in a, a dicey cornerback situation again. But I think that means Devontae Bosby might be playing pretty well. Um, I'm glad you, you told me that it's Isang, Isang uh, Bassey, but I'm going to say Basie until the day I die uh, mm-hmm. because why would you not say Isang and Basie together? It, it's perfect. It's, it's perfect. It, uh, like, so he's, really he, he started to get reps today, and then OJ Moody is still injured. So I guess there's just like a lot of unknown there, and we're not going to know until we get a couple weeks into the season whether – letting Yadam uh, go was the smart move or not. I thought he played a little bit better last year after he kind of got used to uh, Fangio's system, but... Uh... Yeah, so he... I was kind of looking at the numbers, and Yadam, who's, you know, he's a third-rounder, so that's kind of significant in cutting or getting rid of a third-rounder after just a couple of years, but... Um, he got better in that he allowed three touchdowns as a rookie, didn't allow one last year. Um, but he he allowed, I think, 55 or so completion percentage as a rookie, and then that went up 15% last year. Okay. So I think teams learned to pick on him. Um, I think the case, his first season uh, that really screwed him up was, he was, it looked like he was in position a lot of the time and just didn't have the ball skills really to, to either, you know, bat the ball down or, or get an interception and ended up like giving up a lot of big plays kind of at the point of attack rather than either trailing a guy or being out of position completely. And last year it kind of looked like he was out of position. And part of that could be because um, they switched to playing more zone and he's a six one corner, which would lead you to believe that um, he's more fit for a, a man style of defense. And Bassey's five uh, ten. He's 190 pounds. So he's kind of fit for fit for his own style that they run. Um, he's built, that's at, like Chris Harris size, right? It's pretty much, yeah, it's pretty much Chris Harris size. I think Harris might be a little taller. But, five, yeah, 5'10", 190 is like pretty prototypical um, nickel corner kind of size. But we're going to see if he, you know, if he is like truly um, the guy until O.J. Moody is healthy and we don't know when that's going to be but he's going to be on the field about half the time given uh, if you're looking at uh, what Yadam did last year because he was on the field for 48 percent of their snaps on defense yeah that's quite a bit so he'll he could be splitting time with or he could be on the field with uh, in packages with Bosby and Callahan and A.J. And or split, yeah, so splitting I, time I think, with Bosby, right? Right, and Yadam wouldn't have seen that much of the field if uh, Bosby, Bosby didn't get hurt. Not gotten hurt, right? But yeah, so you're going to see him like you're still going to see him quite a bit, um, especially given that you know the nickel 
and and sometimes the dime can end up being sort of a base package for defense a base these package. days a basey package yeah anytime a guy anytime a guy who's in our best named players episode uh has a chance i'm gonna root for him uh it'd be cool if he just turns out to be a ball hawk uh every year you're like hoping like one of those guys you didn't think about sort of just emerges as being really good i think another guy who has that possibility and this is me basing it uh, only on the fact that he had, you know, 23 touchdowns in his final year at Western Michigan is uh, Levante Bellamy. How much do you know about him as a running back? How much Western Michigan football did you watch, Will? (laughs) I watched – how many games did they play? Times 60 minutes. That's how many um, minutes I watched them play. Times zero. So I guess zero. Perfect. Um, But – all I know is when they signed him after the draft, the two guys that they're like, oh, wow, that's a, that's a good signing, were Bassey and Bellamy. Perfect. Um, and it seems like that's, that's kind of coming to fruition here, especially with Bassey. And um, I will say it's like kind of fitting the year they get rid of Chris Harris, another undrafted corner is going to make the team. Oh, that would be amazing. And here's the thing about Bellamy, 5'10", 190 pounds, exact same size. Bassey. You got it. <laughs> it's perfect. It's just, you just find that measurement, get one on offense, one on defense, boom, problem solved. It's uh, maybe the ideal height and weight for a human being, for a male yeah. human. Do you, you, do you think the Broncos are going to keep Royce Freeman? Do you think they'll? That's tough because I, I think they will ultimately, and they'll put Bellamy on the practice squad because there's an expanded practice squad. Um, And there's actually kind of interesting this year, there's a couple of slots for veterans to go on the practice squad. Okay. Uh, So they might – I don't know. That's going to impact how things work. And I think that – we'll find out too, I think, Saturday. Yeah, Saturday is going to be a big day for the NFL. A bunch of teams got to get – well, all of the teams have to get down. Yeah. and can, can a player just go right onto the practice squad or do they have to clear waivers first? You have to clear waivers. Okay. So, yeah, yeah that's so it's kind of a risk, especially the vet. Like, if you're going to say, um, okay, well, we're putting, like, Tim Patrick on IR – or on, on the practice squad because we want to see, like, the younger guys. He's going to go, like, pretty quick. Right. Like, the Patriots <clears throat> would just snag him immediately or something <laughs> like that. I don't know. Waiver wire, yeah. It's not alphabetical um, by record, though. So, um, uh, yeah, I think, like, so you got to, like, make decisions as far as that one. I mean, maybe, like, it's a better idea to just, like, see if someone clears waivers as opposed to outright cutting them. Because um, you do, like, essentially you do cut the guys first and then you sign them to the practice squad, so you're terminating their, their contract right. and, and doing a new one. I assume. I'm pretty sure that's how it works. Um, Something like that. Yeah, it's 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 roughly um, it's roughly exactly what I just said. Yes. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be weird. Plus, there's new injured reserve rules, right. so that I think were designed for for guys that um, got sick. But it, teams are going to use it kind of in their you know for injuries. Like you could see KJ Hamler 
go on IR for three weeks. Right. I wouldn't well, be surprised his, if that happened. Yeah, his hamstring heals. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, if teams – if a lot of teams don't have guys who are viral, you know what I mean? Like, they can use that to their advantage this season. Uh, yeah. If a team – yeah, a healthy team – could really benefit from that through the course of the year. Uh, yeah, extra roster spot. Right. Um, for short-term injuries. The other roster move the Broncos made was uh, adding uh, former Steelers linebacker Mark Barron for depth at the linebacker position. Uh, he's been in the league eight seasons now. He's played he was with the L.A. before. The Steelers, I think Tampa Bay is where he started. Just like an average linebacker, though. Uh, yeah, the Broncos, I mean, the thing about – yeah, go ahead. I was just say they just needed – they need bodies at linebacker. It's been like the one position we kept thinking they would address in the draft for year after year, and they never <laughs> really do. Um, and it's kind of like the, the shallow end uh, – or the shallow – position on defense uh my question for you though is are you more concerned about linebacker or offensive line heading into this season as a broncos fan i think i'm always more concerned about the offensive line because you know the the linebacker position at a whole is obviously going to be um a plus it's going to be a strength as long as you have vaughn miller and um bradley chubb on the on the bookends right and Todd Davis is getting healthy like guys yeah so I I think I am you know and and as soon as Davis comes back he's he's pretty underrated he's an unspectacular player but he's um pretty much like reliable you know what he's gonna do and he's gonna he's there to stuff the run but uh Barron yeah he um really took a step back last season and the interesting thing about Mark Barron too is that he was drafted as a safety and he was one of those first kind of like, he became one of those like hybrid guys that you see pretty commonly now. That's kind of the, the Isaiah Simmons. Right. Hype guy of the world. Oh, he's not as um, versatile as Isaiah Simmons. You can, if you line them up at like slot corner or something, be in a bad, in bad shape. But yeah, he gave up um, 60% completions uh, with the Rams in 2018. And that jumped to 73% last year with, with Pittsburgh, plus he doubled the yards he gave up. Like teams were teams are really, you know, picking him out as the weak link in that yeah. Steelers defense. That's hard because the Steelers defense was so good last year. Yeah, I mean that, that's the thing is like, what are you going to do? Are you going to throw to Minka Fitzpatrick's side, or right. are you gonna just throw at Mark Barron all day? He did get three sacks last year, so I think he was a little more um, involved and kind of closer to the line of scrimmage. Um, yeah, you would just assume like a guy who played safety in college like his strength at the linebacker spot would be in coverage uh which maybe typically just, you know, tends to be but yeah maybe just getting older plays a, a factor in that i don't older. know how good baron's been in coverage his whole career you put on a little bit of weight to be able to play closer to the line of scrimmage yeah and that's you know that's a that's a big that's thing also tough um but part of it's scheme too like maybe he wasn't a fit in the steelers scheme I can't like I'm not smart enough to say like this is why he was unsuccessful necessarily in Pittsburgh and this is why he'll be successful here why they picked signing him 
Um, I mean, they kind of did a similar similar thing last year when Todd Davis was hurt and they picked up Corey Nelson, and that was kind of a disaster for a couple weeks. And I think now, I think they made a, a you know a more prudent signing. Right. So I think, yeah, I'm to answer your question really again is. <laughs> I'm I'm more worried about the offensive line because the offensive line is is more important. I think. Yeah, that'll especially, be the biggest question mark. Uh, yeah, especially right tackle again. Yeah. Okay. That's all the big Broncos sort of news that's actually happened. There's always like training camp stuff day to day. Um. The Chargers. They just love starting the season with one of their best players getting injured. Two of their best players got injured. Well, yeah. Mike Williams and uh, Derwin James done for the season with his meniscus tear. That's two straight years for for Derwin James. Jason Verrett, you know, their corner was three straight seasons where he was getting significant injuries. Do you think Derwin James can match Verrett and go three for three? As long as he's wearing that bolt on the side of his helmet. The cursed Absolutely. bolt. It sucks, too, because if there's, like, a guy – like, as a Broncos fan, you never really care when an opposing team gets weaker when, like, one of their good players is out. Right. But Derwin James is a fun player to watch. Uh, and it's just, like – it's just crazy that it keeps happening there. And it was, you know, Bosa had those injuries. There's, it's, it's always something. And it was like a couple of weeks ago, I took out a joke where I wrote like that exact scenario where the Chargers on paper are going to have the best defense in 2020, but too many of their key players get injured before the season starts. I was like, that's just like a tired joke. So I took it out, and now it's fucking true. And I'm like, God damn it. Yeah, it's really just not a joke at this point. No. It's like, it's like okay, well, it's going to be hot this summer. Right. Yeah. It's kind of just the way the world works. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think – yeah, he had a great rookie season, obviously. Um, I think people are, like, kind of premature to, like, annoy him – like a defensive player. Well, yeah. <laughs> They're like, because that's what people did. Like that's. It's like, no, right, I saw look. that. I think I saw it on NFL Network. They're like, yeah, probably good, was going to win uh, defensive player of the year. Like, how the fuck are you saying that? Yeah, show out, dude. Um, that's kind of. That's that sort of the LA market for you, because like these They're really guys, trying the to hype it. Based in LA, like NFL Network's based in LA. They're like their most convenient sources are the Rams and the Chargers. They end up talking to them more. They just kind of get like. I don't know, brainwashed into thinking like, oh, this team's going to be good because we spend the most time, most amount of time with this team because we can. Right. Uh, it's like they're not based in, you know, if they're, if they're based in Detroit, they'd probably get tricked into thinking the Lions are going to be good every year. And every single year they think the Chargers are going to be good. Yeah. I don't I'm, – I'm a little skeptical <laughs> this year. Yeah. Let's just say that. I think Plus you get the hard knocks effect too. I think the Chargers have the best chance of finishing last in the AFC West. They're going to they're gonna roll with Tyrod Taylor until they decide to play Justin Herbert. It's like you just have a question mark at your most important position. Uh, we've already talked about how Keenan Allen's not going to make the team great. <laughs> so, Mike, uh, like we, I was astounded kind of looking at the difference in the numbers between 
Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. You know, Mike Williams hit a thousand yards on forty nine receptions. That's crazy. That's just unbelievable, unbelievable efficiency. Uh, Keenan Allen, like he's just kind of like he's a reception merchant. He's just like, okay, I'm going to run another five yard out, another Ke- five yard slant. Keenan Allen is actually what people say Michael Thomas is. Yes. And Michael Thomas is like, he's just a roided up, not literally, but like he's Keenan Allen on steroids. Yeah. I think, I think, I think Michael Thomas, like all of a sudden this narrative came, came up where, you know, he just catches a hundred slant routes. You know what I mean? I mean, that's, that's always going to happen too. When you have two quarterbacks that are like getting older and have like kind of shitty arms and rely on, just like timing and yeah they they always know where the five to ten yard route is going to be open yeah yeah and and rivers anytime is like all right well i'm going to take a shot this time he's like i'm putting it in mike williams chance and it it happened or it works like it worked extremely well um yeah i i think losing mike williams it's that's a big deal too i don't know how long i'll be out but um however many games they have to play without them they're going to be at a pretty like serious disadvantage on offense they don't have a lot of depth behind them no it's and gonna that, be i would <laughs> and that's like part of the reason i took austin eckler um in that fantasy league is like okay how many times is tyrod taylor who like isn't known for you know he's nice like a deep ball but doesn't have the strongest arm like how many times is he just gonna check down to eckler could be a lot could be quite I mean, a eckler, yeah eckler could be their number one Running back and receiver. That's possible. I mean, he was um, – yeah, he had something like, I think, like 900 yards last year. Correct me if I'm wrong. And I, I am a little bit – I'm a little skeptical on him as a runner. I think ha- getting Melvin Gordon back helped him a lot and kind of took some pressure. Well, yeah, he's – To carry the ball a lot because he's not a big guy. and He really is built like a receiver. Um, but yeah, if they go into the season thinking like he's going to be their like bell cow, I think they might be in trouble, but they could also work in, I think Justin Jackson, Yeah, get a few carries. And then I like, um, the guy they took out of UCLA, Joshua Kelly. I like watching him play in college and I think he'll end up being um, pretty good. a pretty big part of that offense. Yeah. They'll need somebody. It's like, he's kind of like Philip Lindsay where, you don't really want him to be this, you know, three down back. You want and, – and Lindsay doesn't catch like Eckler, but he has that same sort of breakaway speed and elusiveness, and he's just a smaller guy. And they're both from Colorado. Yeah, but, I mean, you don't want to give them, like, like, a ton of volume. And that's why uh, I think they're, they're both going to be more effective on a per-play basis. With Melvin with, Gordon. With Melvin Gordon, yeah. And Melvin Gordon's, like, he's going to take, like – so I was going to take heat, I guess, because of um, that holdout. And I, that I don't holdout think any, didn't people will never forget, like, his season where he just didn't score as a rookie. Yeah. Taking in the no touchdowns. But he's the – Melvin Gordon is the key to making your other uh, back good. Yes. Your other yeah. Philip Lindsay, your, your other Colorado point, college back, good. You need Melvin uh, Gordon. To the point where you have to pay them like pay them like three times as yep. much. It's worth it. It's worth it. It all like evens out. Part of his money is paying for that other running back. Yeah. Well, let's start. Here's another 
uh, running back that um, not super efficient last year, but he gets a change of scenery. Yeah. So Leonard Fournette, we know the Jags released him. And a pretty surprise move, I thought, earlier in the week. I don't think anyone really saw that coming. No. Um, but looking at the numbers, they didn't want to pay him, and I don't blame him at all. Um, we know, like, what a disaster that pick was. We don't need to, like, you know. Yeah, we already went them. into that. I, I think at the time it made a lot more sense because Blake Bortles is coming off an AFC championship uh, appearance. Right. So, you know, let's let's all calm down with that. Um, or I think that was the year. I'm sorry, that was the year before. But we saw a little bit of – they weren't ready to give up on, on Bortles because he was, you know, a top five pick himself. So I'm not going to, like – I'm not going to kill them for that. Um, and, you know, again, too, like Mahomes and Watson were not uh, universally loved, obviously, no. because everyone wanted – Pretty like a lot of people really thought Trubisky was the best quarterback in that class. Anyway, the point is Leonard Fournette goes to the Buccaneers. They now have Ronald Jones, who's been there a couple of years. They signed LaShawn McCoy, and now they have Leonard Fournette. Who do you think who do you think touches the ball the most this season? Is it gonna be Fournette? You would think if they went after him, that that would be true. Bruce Arians said it's going to be Ronald Jones as the starter. I feel like Bruce Arians is going to lie about shit like that a lot. <laughs> yeah, and like, I, what does the starter even mean? I don't know. That, like, there's NFL. It's like it's all about who gets who gets the most touches. You know, it, it's hard to say too because the way we've seen Brady work with backs is it's always like a rotation, and they play to the strength of that back. So if it's catching passes, that's what they're going to use that running back for. Leonard Fournette seems like the guy you want to use in short yardage situation because unless he's playing the Broncos last year, that's kind of what he does is get just a couple yards every carry. Um, yeah. And they ended up dumping the ball off to him quite a bit last year. It wasn't particularly – Oh, yeah, he had – was it like 76 catches or something? Um, yeah, he has 76 catches for 522 <laughs> yards, which is, uh, seven yards of reception, which is like down half a yard from last season. Uh, he also went for over 1100 yards and he had his best year running the football by far, but only, yeah. only scored three times. Like I said, so he's can, not a, yeah, he's not a bad running back. He's just not lived up to the expectations of where he was drafted and he came out of a draft where literally every other running back taken almost literally are all like considered pretty damn good running backs yeah I mean he gets cut like the same exact time Joe Mixon gets an extension Joe Mixon Alvin Kamara is holding out for more money Christian McCaffrey became the richest running back ever like that one's tough (laughs) yeah Eckler was undrafted that year so it's just bizarre. I think we'll stick to our Buccaneers as uh, going to underperform uh, narrative. They mm-hmm. they seem like they've acquired so much bizarre, uh, such a bizarre mix of offensive talent. <laughs> Very eclectic. Feel, it feels like the hype for the Browns the year before, but I'm not going to say that because they do have a good quarterback, and that's uh, 
and a good head coach, like who knows. I mean, he'll be a good quarterback if he improves from last year. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It'll be interesting to see how he plays in that offense. There's not going to be any excuses on offense. They're not going to be like, well, who 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 is he handing the ball to? It's like, um, I don't know, a couple of you know, a potential like a borderline Hall of Famer in Lashawn McCoy. Yeah. Although not not at this point in his career. A decent and young back in a whatever, yeah, eleven hundred yards in a Jacksonville offense this year. I mean, or last year, but you know, a lot of people assume that getting out of Jacksonville and going to Tampa Bay is going to be um, it's, it's a big upgrade for a running back. But I think Tampa Bay they've averaged like three and a half yards per carry over the last yeah. few years. Well, they've been ridiculously bad running the football. Their offensive line wasn't that good last year. So that'll no. be interesting if, if they actually got better on the offensive line. I think the defense is going to look a lot better because I think they were underrated last year. They were just put in shitty positions so frequently by Jameis Winston that you get scored on a lot. That's going to change. But yeah, and uh, you, had a, you had a tackle this year too. Yeah. Um, so that could – They took what, Werfs? In the, yeah, I think yeah. it was Werfs. So, I mean, their offensive line should be better, but Leonard Fournette seems like he's got to have a really good offensive line in front of him to be who you want him to be. I don't know how good it is. Right. Uh, there's a lot of options there, though. Um, I wanted yeah, to- I'm, just, I'm not taking, like, super productive SEC backs anymore in, the, in like, the top ten. Yeah, they, like they a get bad- a lot of wear and tear. Yeah, it's like – Okay, if you can get Derrick Henry later in the first round or Leonard Fournette at the top five or ten, I can't remember where he was drafted exactly. I think it was closer to top five. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that just proves you're, you're dumb if you, if, you take, uh, if you take a running back early, which we knew, but they're the Jaguars. So. The Jaggy Vires. But it, and even, like, Derrick – Derrick Henry took a while to figure out how to be an NFL back or to be like considered yeah, like really, the, really good. He was never this good or he wasn't this good early in his career. No. That's, that's totally right. And the, the Titans have invested a lot in their offensive line too. Yeah. We'll talk more about the Titans next week. Broncos Titans week yeah. one. Darrell Casey. That's going to be fun. Uh, the, the Titans. Yeah, we'll get into it next week. I want to talk about the Chiefs extending uh, Andy Reid and Veach. Yes. How can you extend a man whose waistline has been extended as far as it can go? Oh, so. just, I was waiting for you to do it. It was written in the rundown. I was waiting for, for – I didn't set you up uh, well for that. Uh, that's my fault. Uh, that, yeah, that was an unassisted – goal although i thought i thought reed looked a little out of throwing it to himself yeah i thought he looked a little slimmer in his last press conference uh but he's gonna be in kansas city maybe they're using like a fish eye lens (laughs) he's gonna be in kansas city through 2025 i don't think the details of his new contract came out but the first first contract kansas city gave him was 37.5 million over five years i'm guessing after winning a super bowl it should be quite a bit more than that um yeah and they they extended uh magician brett veach who keeps creating money for the chiefs out of nowhere so the gm the coach both staying in kansas they basically 
they've officially signed every single person uh, forever. So yeah. fuck the Chiefs because you don't see a lot of teams figure out how to do that. Uh, I mean, you know, my stance on this position already is that I wish the world would end every yeah. time the Chiefs get to, like, lock up another player for the next two centuries. But, um, yeah, I mean, at some point, he's got to get old, right? Reed? Yeah, he looks like Andy he's Reed? A, Andy Reid. Yeah, you'd imagine. I kind of wondered, like, I, I thought there's a chance, like, he could retire pretty soon. And yeah, he still could. That was like a media – I feel like a media-driven storyline. Like, if he, if Andy Reid wins, he might just retire. He's been at it for a long time. He really has. And, he, you know, he, he's 62. Okay. He's an older he's got 62. five years left if he really wants it. Probably. probably. My dad retired at 62. After his first Super Bowl, I, yep. I remember. That's yep. right. Good for him. And I think my dad could still – he could – if he were at a coach, he'd still be doing it just fine. You think he could take Andy Reid? In a fight? Yeah. Yeah. My dad's in much better shape than Andy Reid. I'm going to guess um, – And my dad's not- actually built like a man, unlike me. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, well – you know what? Genetics can be a cruel mistress sometimes. Yeah, like my like my hand can fit like in my dad's like fucking palms. It's like you you would not like if you if you put our hands next to each other, you would not say those are are uh, the same genetic line. Yeah, my father has ex- extremely manlier hands than me too. And it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's really weird. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how it works. I mean, we are only fifty percent of them. I know, like, I'm every day I look at my little baby girl and I'm like, oh, what, what shitty things are you gonna get from me? <laughs> all the good, all the bad parts about you and all the, I mean, although you know, um, like, what are you, what are you gonna curse them with? You, they I can't know. get, you can't get the beard. Um, she could. <laughs> she could, but, but she can always shave it. My wife and I are both. Uh, Dark-haired and hairy people. Dark complexion. She's going to have to learn to shave very early for a a girl, I believe. Um, That's okay. I was relieved that she won't have to be tall since she's a girl. So that's nice. Right. Um, Yeah, I mean, even if she is, like, gets her exact height and she's 5'7", like, that's a a very normal height. Yeah. My wife's 5'2", I'm 5'7", so she's probably going to be... Oh, 5'4". 5'4". There you go. Let's see. I think that's perfect. Um, okay, there was just one last piece of news, not Broncos related, not AFC West related, but uh, uh, Lovey Smith's that. son, Mikel Smith. Uh, Who's, whose son is this? Lovey Smith's. Oh, Lovey Smith. I because I read this as Mike Smith at first, the former uh, Atlanta Falcons head coach. Oh, <laughs> no, yeah, Lovey Smith's son, uh, McCall, McCall, McCall Smith, was arrested for pimping in Arizona. Nice. Another word for pimping is pandering, and he's 
being charged with receiving earnings from a prostitute and sex trafficking. He did some assistant coaching with his dad in the NFL. Um, I believe he played college football in Arizona. So what has to go wrong to go from being like an assistant coach in the NFL, having a very successful father to becoming a, an Arizona pimp? would be my question. I mean, it's pretty simple. Like your father just has like, he just gets worse and worse at his job to the point where he can't hire you to help him out anymore. He went from Chicago to making a Super Bowl to Tampa Bay, where he was a failure, to Illinois, where he was, you know, a failure. So uh, um, I think he coached somewhere else and I don't know what he's doing now. Lovey Smith, uh, also 52, like Andy Reid. 62? Yep. Well, and he's got he a is, big uh, gray beard. He's the head coach at Illinois. Uh, his record is 15 and 34. If you're not successful, people don't really put up with your nepotism quite as much. And I think, yeah. I think the son was, was forced to uh, carve out his own path in life. And may not have been the Loiting best. women. Yes. Good uh, job. I have a trivia, trivia question for you. Yeah. It's a yes yeah. or no question. <clears throat> Is pimping easy? I heard it ain't, Will. That's correct. I, I would have also ain't. accepted yes. And that would be the conclusion of the return of the That's Good Broncos podcast. Subscribe here on YouTube and wherever you listen to to podcasts. Look for this to to be dropping as a That's Good Broncos podcast very soon. And I will have more exciting info coming on that. Thank you, Will, for helping me. Anytime. Thank you, Father. Daddy-o.